Howdy, y'all from Texas. I'll get some of you going. That's the first Texas thing I ever heard. Probably the only time you'll ever hear like that, too. Just so you know what I'm doing here. I got three timers up here. And hopefully I'll get to see one or two of them. All right, so officially greetings and happy tabernacles to you all. Hands up if you are eager to rejoice in front of God. All right, there you go. That's the spirit there. I was going to say, all that music we just had, you need to sit down, let your heart rate drop a little, and you know, get comfortable. Leviticus 23, 40, you shall rejoice, and I put in the notes there, before the Lord, your God, seven days. You shall keep it a festival, an appointment is a better word, to the Lord. So if, you, if the Lord says, here's my appointment, or the judge says, here's my appointment, you be in court on such and such a day, guess what? You're going to be there. Right, and God expects us to be here. So it shall be a statute in all your generations you shall celebrate it in the seventh month. So hands up if you know for sure that Jesus is here in this room. Yeah, some of you are thinking about it. Okay, that's okay. Jesus promised us. Right? Now it's all sort of Warp speed your brain a little bit, but Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I, Jesus, am there in the midst of them. So, do we have two or three gathered in Jesus' name? Do we have that many? Yeah, we got, okay, we got more than that. So, Jesus is here in this room. We're not just live streaming to heaven. He's here. His presence is here. If we saw Jesus in that chair, way up there, high up there near the clock, if we saw him there, would our worship level be greatly increased? Some of us would probably die of a heart attack. <laughs> uh, so is it possible we can increase our levels of worship this year at the feast without seeing the face of Jesus? I'm hoping the answer to that is yes. And, and just so some of you kids who might be looking up at that chair, I'll, I, if I was a betting person, I would bet you a lot of money he's not in that chair. Spirit beings don't need to sit in chairs. Right? We have God sitting on the throne, but that's emblematic of he rules the universe. Right? So if he's here in this room, he doesn't need to be sitting on a chair. He's here some other how, but he's here and <clears throat> not seeing his face. We're going to see his face, all right? And we're going to see his face before the big Feast of Tabernacles. We're going to see his face coming out of the sky riding on a big white horse. Man, what a picture that is. We need Steven Spielberg or somebody to do a movie about that and, and really get people to think about white horses in the sky. But uh, to them, it's all gobbledygook. So I guess we'll have to wait for the real thing. Tabernacles is all about worshiping King Jesus in the kingdom of God on earth. Because we're here worshiping Jesus now, and two billion people will be worshipping Jesus, kind of, sort of, at Christmas. Kind of, sort of, right? Because who's the number one character of Christmas? Who? Who's Santa Claus? He's everywhere. If you go into a mall, you'll see 10 or 20 of them. Right? They're all over the place. Right? They're the number one character of Christmas. What happened to Jesus? Oh. And the contributions that go to the churches during the Christmas season drop way off. Well, they can't afford to get to the church and pay for all those presents, too. So it's like worship Jesus. And they keep trying to put Jesus back in Christmas. And I guess he pops out again. They put him back in and he pops out again. But, you know, eventually there'll be no Christmas. There'll be 
tabernacles where you worship the king and we're going to see his face. And I'll bet you anything, we're live streaming the Jerusalem Jesus up here preaching to all the nations of the world. And I really don't see all the nations, what's left of the world, coming to Jerusalem, but I see ambassadors coming to Jerusalem and hearing that, you know, the king of kings say, here's how we're going to run the world for the next 12 months, and then you'll all be back for another Feast of Tabernacles. Zechariah 14, I can't believe I heard Zechariah 14 on the radio this morning. What? On the radio? You know, Messianic Jews were mentioning Tabernacles. So there you go. But anyhow. It's um, Zechariah 14, 16. It should come to pass. This is after the Battle of Armageddon. That's what the guy said on the radio, too. It's right after the Battle of Armageddon. So I thought, well, bless you. At least we're getting a little bit of the message out there. Right? Everyone should go up from year to year. Guess what? That's what we do. We go up from year to year, right, to worship the King, King Jesus, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles, where we worship the king, right? Verse 17, which, and it gets repeated a second time, wherever, whichever of the families do not come to Jerusalem to worship the king, not to Christmas, to tabernacles. No rain. So God is looking to the day when we can pre be present with Jesus at Jerusalem. Who wants to go to Jerusalem? Anybody want to go to Jerusalem? Yeah, not a lot of you. I don't want to go now. Or tomorrow or next week. I want to wait till the wars are over. Right? The Battle of Armageddon is over, right? And and because it won't matter. They can they can shoot at me all they want. If I'm on the other side with Jesus, it's like I'm bulletproof. Right? So but it's you know, right now I'm not bulletproof, so I'm trying to trying to be careful. So God is looking to the day when we can be present with Jesus in Jerusalem in eternal spirit being bodies, which, which I can't even describe to you how good those bodies are going to feel. Right? Some of you might think those bodies feel neutral. No, 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 no. Does a Lamborghini feel neutral? Anybody know what a Lamborghini is? A Rolls Royce? You know what a Rolls Royce is. Matthew knows. Okay. <laughs> okay. Your body is going to feel really great. Right? And if you want to know what really great is, compare it to how you feel now. Unless you're under 35. If you're under 35, you're pretty happy with your body the way it is, right? Okay. So, um, and we're going to be joining in the Earth-Wide King Worship Festival, or Tabernacles, right? So, so it's coming to planet Earth. How many of you want to hear the good news first or the bad news first? Good news? Bad news first. Okay. The bad news is the tribulation lasts three and a half years. That's the bad news. But the good news is as soon as the tribulation starts, three more Feasts of Tabernacles. Last big great Tabernacles number four stops the tribulation. So isn't that great? You know, trumpets, atonement, tabernacles at the end of the, of the tribulation. But those three feasts of tabernacles during the tribulation, I don't know. I don't want. I don't know what they're going to be like. But anyhow, you you can set your calendars and your stopwatches because you've got to go three years. Right? Now some of you might not make it, in which case that's fine. Um, you you go you go straight to uh, Pasco. How is that? Whatever. And you don't go to jail. You go to you do the other one. So. Did you know that Jesus has specific plans for your feet? Yes, think of your feet, right? Fifteen days before the big tabernacles come. Jesus longs for your feet to be close to his feet. And Paul says after we meet Jesus in the clouds, we will always be with Jesus. I can't wait to always be with Jesus, right? A lot of you I would like to spend a lot more time with than just eight days at the feast. But, but with Jesus all the time is, is going to be, you know, fantastic. First Thessalonians 4.16, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17, 
then those who are alive and remain will be caught up. That's rapture. If you're reading a Latin Bible, caught up is, is, is the rapture. Right? But then they forget this part here. Right? Um, caught up together with them. And when they tell you the rapture, they leave out the together with them. And use the together with them, verse 16, that's the dead in Christ. And uh-oh, there are no dead in Christ. All the dead in Christ went straight to heaven. So there are, unless they're dead in heaven. Oh, no. Could the dead in Christ be in heaven? Dead? <laughs> right. Ah, no, no. All right, let's not try to understand the rapture theory because it just falls apart. Okay, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord face to face. Now, with us, we recognize people's character and their personhood by their face, right? We, we see the face, and sometimes we see the wrinkles, and we go, oh, yeah, there's old so-and-so, old Steve. We'll pick on Steve, right? <laughs> He's not too wrinkly, though. He's doing good. Anyhow, um, yeah, and the face tells us the character and the history and the personality, right? With Jesus, you already know the personality of Jesus. If you've been studying your Bibles, you know his personality. You know his character. You know his plans. You know his intentions. You know a huge amount of Jesus. You just don't know his face, but you don't need to know his face. You just need to know his character. You need to know his plans. You need to know he's going to be riding the big white horse, leading all the other white horses. Imagine the other horses would be a little smaller. Wouldn't that sound, sound right, wouldn't it? The small horses and the one big horse. Okay, so where is God planning for your feet to be? Zechariah 14.4. In that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, where my feet once used to stand. <laughs> I visited Jerusalem one time. I don't want to go there until he gets there. Right? And his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives will split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. And there's a fabulous story that goes with that, but we don't have time for that. Jesus longs for your feet to be with his feet in Jerusalem for the big tabernacles day, the first of a thousand. And man, is that going to be a celebration, but there's going to be a lot of shell-shocked people. And uh, trumpets, the word trumpets is really the word clamor, and the word clamor defines two weird different ways. One is supremely joyful. And the other definition of the same word is alarm of war. Right? And on the day of trumpets, that's exactly what's going to happen. You who know what white horses in the sky is, right? once you know that's Jesus, hallelujah, he's coming. Right? You're happy. Right? You're joyful. Oh, I brought, I brought a little... This is a joyful sign, right? So you're joyful because you know what that is. Everybody else is scared spiddlers. They, they go into the caves and the rocks of the mountain and they say, fall on us to hide us from the face of the Father. That's going to be great too. See in the face of the Father, yippee, right? And the Lamb of God is bringing the wrath of God to planet Earth and they don't know, to them this is an alien invasion. Right? Well, all the movies said the aliens are coming to eat us. Right? And we've got to get our laptops. Right? And Matthew might share his laptop with you. Yeah. And we've got to get aliens by infecting their computer systems with a virus. Right? But anyhow, they, you know, it's just going to totally upend the world. And um, so I'm expecting. <coughs> all right, before I do that. At this point, I need help from all the young people here, here today. Are there any young people here in this room? Any young people? Yeah, I like that. That's really good. All right, so I need help from the young people because I'm expecting a delivery person to bring something very special. And when you see that delivery person coming, see if you can be the first one to wave at me. All right? Because as they approach, I want to get prepared for their arrival. Now, Tabernacles is about growing in our knowledge of Jesus and his future plans. Colossians tells us the future. It's a future-looking trumpets. Okay, that's obvious. If you've been to a day of trumpets, you know trumpets looks to a future moment in time. 
Atonement, you may have heard that, you may not have heard that. Okay, the Thesis Tabernacles clearly looks forward to a brand new world, a totally different world than one we have today. So, um, in Second Peter 3.18, Peter says, this is, this is the last thing Peter says, right? And he says, I've got I to gotta finish my, my letters up with something really good, and here it is. Grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dot, finish writing. That's his most important finish line, right? And yesterday, Matthew had this really terrific set of verses, and I'm not going to steal them from him. He used them yesterday. And so I'm just going to repeat what he said, all right? Now, he's tomorrow, so he might steal back again. I don't know. Yeah. Colossians 1.9 is really terrific, and I don't have them in the notes, but I'm hoping they're on the screen. Look at that. Fantastic. And he says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, cease to pray for you and to desire you might be filled with the knowledge of all his will. Filled with the knowledge. Right? If you're ever going to get filled, if you had an empty cup, if you had a coffee cup that was empty, if you're ever going to get filled with the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, it's going to be the eight days ahead of you. There is more learning opportunity. There is more worship opportunity. And I don't necessarily mean learn from people standing up here, although that's really terrific and that's, that's the focal point, but learn from the faces. I'm looking at faces now. Learn from those faces. And, and that some of them have been through really rough, tough times this year, right? But they came here. They sacrificed to get here, some of them, right? And so they're keeping on. They're soldiering. They're, they're holding fast to God's teaching and, and his uh, appointment day. Um, that you might walk worthy of the Lord in all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Now, fruitful... Um, yeah, anybody got a banana in their pocket? Probably not, right? Okay, we think of bananas as fruit, right, and oranges and apples and things like that, but being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. And that's kind of my message, that's why I wanted to go back to what Matthew had, because the increasing, if you're going to do a bunch of increasing here for eight days is the best place to be. But you need to be thinking about it. I was watching, I was watching the young people over there, and mother or father was talking to their face, and they weren't really happy. They weren't, they weren't. Yes, mother, whatever you say. They were, they were like, oh, you know. And and you have to help children listen, right? Well, anybody here, a child of God? Put your hand up if you're a child of God. See, half of you are a child of God. That's great. And, and children need to listen to the message God has for us, right? Now, I've been here, I was here Thursday. I've been, I've been rejoicing Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. I heard two message, messages on Saturday. I heard a message last night. I'm way ahead of the rest of you, right? I was here first. So you're going to have to work hard to catch up to me. Okay, verse 10, you might work worthy, worthy of the Lord, all-pleasing, being fruitful in every good work increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might. How many of you want to go home at the end of eight days strengthened with the might of God Almighty in your, where are you going to put it? <laughs> in, your, in your head, in your brain. I, I, I realize I have two brains. How many of you got two brains? A couple of you, right? There, there's a left brain and a right brain. And now that explains why so much trouble. You know, one is saying, let's do this. The other says, no, 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 we don't want to do that. Let's procrastinate a while. You know, and then actually there's a third brain, ta-da, my third brain. But, and this is the best one, because it's got GPS, it's got never forgets anything. In fact, there's, you know, I don't want the IRS to see what's in there, but, you know, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But I, IRS was the first one I thought oh, I probably should have said CIA. And uh, yeah, so do you all realize that that you are God's 
secret service people. Now, we, we normally think of secret service people as those people with the little earbud wire thing going down the back of their neck, right? Standing on both sides and behind and <laughs> all around the president. Those are secret service people. Now, they don't wear badges and they don't wear uniforms. They generally wear black sunglasses, <laughs> a lot of them. Right? But they're secret service people because they have a special mission. Right? Well, we're secret service people, and we have a special mission, right? And, and we're not trying to be secret. We're trying to tell everybody the secret of God is keep the Feast of Tabernacles. That's the secret, right? They'll go, two billion people worship Jesus, but they don't keep the Feast of Tabernacles. What's your tiny, tiny little bitty group there keeping the Feast of Tabernacles? Nobody does that. And when we went to, we moved to Hawkins to put the kids in school, and the teachers came to us and said, why don't you believe in Jesus? And my wife and I looked at them like, what the are you from? Right? And they said, you don't keep Christmas. And it's like, oh, you don't keep Christmas, you don't worship Jesus. In reality, you don't keep tabernacles, you don't worship Jesus. Right? That's the secret service. They don't want to hear that. It's like some children back there, they don't want to hear what mom and dad were saying. Right? And, and those of you who have had children, you know what I'm talking about. So, giving thanks to the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance with the saints in light. Um, the kingdom, the kingdom, and that's what we're here. We're doing kingdom activity, kingdom work, and, and we've got eight days to soak up a world that is going to be like, very much like, the relationships we have. Not the bodies we have, right? But the relationships we have, which are based on love. Now, which brings me, what's one word to describe God? Anybody? Love. Okay. All right. I'm going to tell you a two-word phrase, right? This is joy for now, right? So, God is love joy. Now, how do I know that? Fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. So, I want you all to repeat after me. God is love joy. There you go. See? You learn fast. You're doing good. All right. And Jude, Jude urges us all to keep building ourselves stronger and stronger. So in your head, in your mind, in your character, you shouldn't plan or think about leaving this feast site exhausted. Although most of you will. <laughs> but, but in your spirit, you should be thinking, I have fully charged all of my batteries. Uh, this, this thing here doesn't have enough battery strength for a day's worth of activities for me. So I've got my own little battery pack charger. When this one says, sorry, we're finished, we're turning off now, it's like, ah, just a minute, plug in this other one. Now I carry around two things. Right? And now I can carry on the things I want to do. And now Jude says, 120, says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Is your faith holy? Yeah, sure it is. Sure it is. You may not think it is, but your faith is so different from two billion people who have a zeal for God. The missing element is knowledge. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. It's not happy with zeal all by itself. No. You have to have, and you're better off having knowledge first, and then packing in some zeal in behind it. Because the knowledge is the key thing. And people who have knowledge of the tabernacles, they're at tabernacles. The rest of the two billion people out there, they're not at tabernacles. But they'll be at Christmas somewhere, drinking eggnog or <laughs> whatever their people do at Christmas. You know, um, they, do, they do pretty much everything possible except go to church, don't they? <laughs> Anyhow, but that's... Yeah, we're going we're gonna to have an opportunity to remake how people think. There'll be only one church. It'll be called the Church of God according to the Bible. And, um, you know, won't that be great? You drive into a town and you see instead of four churches on each corner in downtown, you'll see 
one church, one church of God. And that's where you'll go on the Sabbath, and we'll teach people to go there on the Sabbath, and they'll learn about the Feast of Tabernacles, and they'll, they'll have eight days like we're about to have. Jude 121, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, why did he have to say that? Are you, is it possible you can slip out of the love of God? Right? Well, the answer to that is yes. Lots of people. Those of you, how many of you have worldwide experience? Anybody here? Oh, yeah. Those who didn't put your hand up, lucky you. You didn't have to unlearn the worldwide you know, mind conditioning. But anyhow, keep yourself in the love, because a lot of worldwide people, without one single miracle, no miracle was done. I was talking to an eyewitness who was in the room listening to the sermon where the pastor general got up, said, you don't have to keep the Sabbath anymore, you don't have to keep the festivals anymore, and you can eat shrimp. And a whole bunch of them that night were eating shrimp in restaurants on a Saturday night because the pastor general said, God says it's okay. Yeah, what? What planet were they from? It's that they wanted it. Desired the good stuff back in Egypt, the good stuff of the shrimp and the sweet and sour pork and the whatever, right? So I see these eight days as the greatest growing building days of each year, right? Now you're going to have a bunch of fun. God said, come and rejoice because, because he is like joy, right? And if he wrote in scripture, you'll get yourselves to the Feast of Tabernacles and you love. What would you do? I don't want to know in some cases. <laughs> but love is less descriptive than rejoice. How many ways are there to rejoice? And a lot of people, including worldwide people, thought that God is mean and angry and he's going to get you. Right? If, if Jesus meets you sometime at the Feast of Tabernacles when you're walking around by yourself, and he looked in you in the face, he would be a still, small voice. What's a still voice? Anyone know what a still voice is? It's no voice at all, is it? <laughs> it means really gentle. But that's what you do with a young child, right? And the smartest thing is to get down on your knees and be face to face with the child, and then you're going to blast them with the loudest, noisiest, set of descriptives you could possibly do. No. If you love your child, you do what Jesus would do to you face to face. He wants the very, very, very best for you today, tomorrow, all eight days here at the feast. And as you're driving home, he wants the best for you. And sometimes we're not listening. And, and he's trying to get the message through. And, and we have to go, all right, I want you know, I have a special little session this morning where me and God, we, we open, well, I open the Bible. He already knows what's in it. But I open the Bible, and I pick a spot, and I say, God, help me understand this verse. All right? And, and why are we here different from all the other people? Because we understand the verse that says, today you will be with me in paradise. We understand that verse. It doesn't say that at all. You take the comma out, you compare it to a couple of other verses, and Jesus was dead for three days and three nights. He wasn't in paradise. So that verse won't fly. Okay, another verse, uh, John 3.13, no man has ascended into heaven. Right? So where do two billion, right? and if you count all the billions from this day all the way back for 2,000 years, how many billion people died thinking they wake up in heaven and they're not. They're going to wake up probably barefoot. You know, it doesn't say so in, in, in um, Zechariah, Ezekiel. Get my, get my guys straight. Ezekiel 37. Yeah, they start out just as a bunch of bones. And then, then God puts, puts them back together and then um, apparently they're naked for a while. So uh, that's kind of humbling for some people. Right? But I'm guessing they'll be bare feet. And, and once they come to their senses, they're going to go, I know who I am. I'm Johnny Smith, right? 
and then they're going to go look out of their toes, and their toes will be wiggling in the dirt. And they're going to go, uh-oh, that's not gold. I'm not in heaven. This is not heaven. What happened? Right? And that's time for them to listen up. Listen up, because God wants to teach you the truth. And then you can have a zeal for God. God is, fa- God is family-oriented. You're going to see a lot of family-oriented here. I looked in the children's class. They're up to speed. They're going after it. Right? I looked in the teen class coming down. They're up to speed. They're going for it. Right? A lot of you got a big grin on your face. You're up to speed. You're going for it. So God wants us here, love, joy, rejoicing at the feast, but he wants us learning more than we know now. Right? Anybody want to learn more than your present level of, of knowledge? Yeah? Okay. Six or eight. That's good. Okay. So Deuteronomy 12, 12. You shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you, your sons, and your daughters. Parents, grandparents, it's your job in the next six, seven and a half days to help each of your, under your charge, to rejoice, okay, special time, memorable. You know, my kids, my kids had this little routine. They'd get out of line, they'd want to do something we didn't want them to do, and they would say, but it's the feast. Like, like the feast gives us permission to do pretty much anything we want to do, right? And we, we had to talk them out if they would listen, and then we got them to listen. Right now they're happy down at the beach, so God willing, they're having good weather. Um, so we are to teach our kids what we know, right? And it takes a while, because there's a spiritual comprehension to this thing, that, that your body, your, your brain, your character, your being is going to show up in a totally better new body. On the other side, you're never going to die again. You're going to be with Jesus wherever Jesus is all the time. You're going to be into, like, uh, another universe, right? And that's, that's, take that to the bank. That's as sure as sure as anything can be. The world you see around us, the wars that are starting up in the Middle East, that's not real. It's real for them, but it's not the end. It's not how it's going to finish. It's going to finish with Jesus' feet on the mountain of olives, and there will ye be your feet. You know, I'm hoping to see your feet along with my feet, along with Jesus' feet. Right? going to be a bunch of feet, but, but, but they'll probably be hovering. You know, spirit beings don't need to touch the earth. They don't need gravity. They can hover. So, you know, don't think it'll be crowded at the Feast of Tabernacles, because we get all of you spirit being people up, up there hovering, we get the humans in chairs down there, you know, because humans enjoy sitting in chairs, right? I do. Yeah. God is eager for us to learn and to grow and to teach our children his ways. Deuteronomy 4.10, the Lord said to me, gather my people, I will let them hear my words. I want people to understand the actual words I'm saying, not, not a made up story about Jesus, right, that you go to heaven when you die and that kind of stuff, right? And they may learn to fear me. Now, fear is not a good word. Revere, reverence. You know, if you had to go to court and you sat before the judge, you'd pretty quick say, well, yes, judge, no judge. You know, you, you treat them with respect because they can throw the book at you. You don't want it to. You know, you didn't bring your catcher's mitt, so you don't want them to throw the book at you. All right? So you respect the judge. God wants us to respect him and listen to him, and do things that are best for us, which is what he's trying to tell us to do. So I picture Jesus having a list of goals for each one of us here at the feast. Now, the goals he has for you will be different from the goals he has for you, because we're all different. We're not yellow pencils. We're all different. God has different goals, but I think he has some general top goals that apply to all of us generally. And I expect one of those is for each one of us to increase our worship level, which I believe is done by having greater knowledge. I never knew my father. I never knew my grandfather. In fact, I've got to go and figure out who was my grandfather because nobody ever talked about him. I guess he died before I was old enough. Anyhow, it's, it's like, to me, God is like a fabulous grandfather. Grandfathers tend to be more gentle <laughs> with their grandchildren than fathers do. I remember 
when I was a father and uh, my little boy broke the rules, you know, and I had to punish him. You know, I had to do it for his own good, right? The grandfather had this thing on the way of getting the grandchild to, oh, I love you, grandfather, you know, and, and I just see God the Father as the grandfather type, and I can't wait to spend time with him too. Peter says, there's a way whereby we can never fail to be with Jesus in the kingdom. Uh, we heard a little bit about that this morning. Second Peter 1.5. But you also, for this reason, giving all diligence. The two billion people worshiping Jesus with a zeal, without the basic true knowledge, they're not giving diligence. And I expect when Jesus sees a bunch of them face to face, and they say, oh, but, oh, but I, I did this and I did that. He's going to say, were you diligent? And they go, well, um, diligent. Um, uh, yeah, I guess I was, I think I was. Uh, I went to church twice on Sundays and once on Wednesday. That's diligent, isn't it? You know, and, and it's like he can point out John 3.13, no man has ascended into heaven. He could even say, for me John 3.16. Most people got John 3.16 memorized, but they don't understand the word perish. And then they don't understand should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's all you need. Most of the two billion people believe you have an immortal form. You can never die. You're going to end up in one or two places, in heaven or in hell, and that's it. John 3.16 says, no way, not happening. But it's like, so how different were they with John 3.16? Uh, the Super Bowl, you see, somebody put up a sign, John 3.16. Read it and believe every word of it. Understand the words. And that's how we come to be at the Feast of Tabernacles. We understand that it started out with the Feast of Tabernacles and it grew meaning and now has spiritual meaning. And when Jesus comes down to planet Earth, what's one of the first things he does to the whole planet? Y'all come. See, he can speak Texan too. Y'all come to the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's like, well, okay, okay. Here's the deal. No rain for a year. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I can. Just watch. Okay, verse 6. To, to knowledge... Add self-control, right? Okay, giving all diligence to add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, bro kindness, love, right? Okay, all, this, this is almost a, a, a three-year science course, right? To take each one of these and get busy and be diligent about each one of these, right? But his, his point is, verse 8, if these things be yours and abound, if you're rejoicing, if you're energized, if you're learning and growing and expanding your worship levels of here at the feast and then you go home, you know, he's trying to help set you up for the trials and struggles and difficulties you're going to face 12 months from now, throughout the next year. Look back a year, right? You, most of you have faced troubles, trials, struggles, difficulties, right? And, and you overcame them. You're here, right? Another year is coming. And who's going to just skate right through next year with not one single trial, trouble, or problem? Anybody here? Anybody here? Uh, you can talk to me later if you want. <laughs> but, but, you know, we are to be overcomers. We live in a wretched world. We have to be super careful in this world. Right? So... If all these things are yours and abound, if you get energized and fired up and you're learning and growing and increasing your worship levels, you'll be neither barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For, I love this verse, verse 11. For so, this is almost a British understatement, no offense to Matthew, right? but, but the British sometimes have a way of um, minimizing the awesome impact. Right? So, so an entrance will be applied to you. What's an entrance? You know, it's like a doorway. Hey, there's a hand. Somebody, yeah, all right. Somebody was paying attention. Look at that. Oh, yeah, that is glorious. Just need to stretch a little bit there. Oh, there you go. All right, going to slide a little bit. There we go. And let's just say that'll work fine. All right, great. 
catch up with that in a minute. All right, so an entrance, a doorway will be supplied. So you, each one of you who are faithful to death, you're going to have a doorway supplied to you. Well, that's a weird way to say it. Anyway, they're going to supply a doorway to you, and then they're going to supply the doorway abundantly. What's with abundantly? It's a doorway already. Open the door, right? But, but it's going to be supplied to you abundantly. I mean, it, you're, you're almost going to be standing outside the door, and you get sucked right in the door, right? It's like there's going to be no question. You're going through that door, right? Okay, so into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The door is going to be wide open, right? And those who have died, Floyd Dodson, great guy, great mind, you know, and, and to me, how many, how many of you know the scripture that says, precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of the saints? Anybody heard that? Back in Psalm somewhere. Okay, precious. To us, that Satan sitting next to you or that Satan you know back at home, when they die, you're sad. And that's okay. And in one sense, it's good. But, but really, anybody who dies in faithful, in the Lord, yippee! <laughs> right? They are one second. They're asleep like at the doorway to the kingdom. And they just stay there asleep just outside the doorway to the kingdom until Jesus pulls that door back. The angels come and they resurrect the dead people, take them up to the clouds, they got the new body. I was thinking the other day, do you used to think that after I'm dead, when I'm dying, I'll breathe my last. They, you know, in the, in, the, in the Westerns, they say he breathed his last, right? Which means that's it, you're dead. Right? And I used to think, in my next breath, I'll be in the kingdom. And then I thought, wait a minute, I don't want to be breathing. Breathing is for humans. I don't want to breathe in the kingdom. I want to go places where you don't have to breathe. My daughter's a scuba diver. I want to go scuba diving with no oxygen. I want to go out into space with no oxygen. I don't want to breathe. I want to have a spirit-breathing body that doesn't breathe because that's going to be way better than these air-breathing things we got. Right? Okay, so could Peter be inferring that we keep on increasing our worship levels, then we will never fail. I hate some of your Bibles say stumble. That's a terrible translation. Stumble. How many of you stumbled this last week? Yeah, look at that. Branches of a stumble, right? Is that bad? Yeah, mostly not. You know, kids are stumbling all the time. You know, they're so, they're so small and spongy, they can trip and fall and hit the ground and bounce right back up again. You know, so, so it means fail of entering the kingdom. You, if you do all this stuff, you're not going to fail. Why? Because God wants you desperately to be in his kingdom. All he's asking is be faithful with what you've got. You don't have to know as much as the other guy, or that guy, person over there. You only have to know what you know and be good at doing and obeying God with what you know. And then hopefully learning a little more and then get good at obeying and doing that a little bit more. And then keep on. And that's your strength. If you keep on obeying what you're learning, that's your strength in the Lord. And, and he's going to be with you every step of the way. A Bible study coming up where... I really want to talk about, you know, <coughs> you being able to text with God, right? Now, I texted Dale a couple of times. We've got to help Dale. He's, his texting is slow. But anyhow, um, with God, he, he wants to meet you face to face. When, when you get a chance, and you're off by your side, and you're not talking to a whole bunch of happy friends, rejoicing people, watch, watch a parent talk face-to-face with their child. And, and <clears throat> Jesus sees you as his child. The Father sees you as his child. They want to talk to you about the most important things you're going to face in the next 12 months and how to prepare for those things. All right? 
And most of us don't have a clue what's happened to us in the next 12 months. I don't know what's going to happen to me all morning. I, I'm just hoping, you know, I'll get out of bed and be able to walk. So, so I, you know, I've got hope. Anyhow, John, John puts it this way in John 15, 8. He says, this is, by this is my Father glorified. Okay, so the sky's going to scroll back and people are going to look up in the sky and they're going to see the face of him that sits on the throne. That's the Father. That's going to be the first time anybody on planet Earth has ever seen the face of the Father. All right? So, by this is my Father glorified. Oh, lots of praise and worship music. That's good. That's helpful. It makes this side much better. Right? But it says that you bear much fruit. Not carry much fruit. Bear fruit. Now you have to figure out how you bear fruit. Because we don't all bear fruit the same way. But most fruit bearing comes from learning what God wants us doing, then doing what God wants doing. That's fruit. That's overcoming. That's serving people with our own gifts and talents and our our, our talent set. And most people don't haven't learned what their talent set is yet. It's sad. We've been through worldwide and other churches and the church hasn't focused on what are you gifted at? It's like, shut up and sit in the pew and be a good yellow pencil. Right? Now, we don't teach that here, so if that's what you want, sorry, you're going to miss out. But, but God wants you using your talents and your skills and your abilities and your giftedness to serve him and bear much fruit. And if you do, you get to glorify the Father in heaven. Right? And it's like, will old me glorifying the Father? That's what it says, isn't it? That's what it says. So, let's believe it. Let's make an effort to glorify the Father in heaven by bearing much fruit. And then Jesus says, and so you'll be my disciples. The Feast of Tabernacles is the greatest place to learn much about bearing fruit. You want to learn much about bearing fruit? Ask a bunch of questions. This afternoon with the teens, I'm going to encourage the teens to ask questions. When I was a little kid, my parents told me, don't ask. At least my mother did. My dad was dead. But, you know, and most kids end up getting told, don't ask. Stop asking. No. No, encourage, you know, good asking. And nowadays, most people can just ask Google. But then Google doesn't always tell them the true answer. Right? So they're better off asking somebody who knows the Bible, what do you think this scripture means? Well, how should I approach this problem? Whatever that is. And, and we just want to encourage the teens to get a habit of asking questions, seeking good wisdom answers. Right? So, um, to me, Tabernacles is God's way of saying to each one of us, I want you, you and you and you and you and all of God's people everywhere around the world who have God's spirit and who are about to have God's spirit in the years ahead when they get baptized, right? he wants them to land safely in the eternal family kingdom of God. Safely. That's really simple. How do you do that? You know, how do you fly your spiritual plane and how do you land safely in the kingdom of God? It's as simple as you, you do what you're learning. Right? And it's like we learn in stages. And all of us here are at different levels of learning. So don't compare yourself to somebody else. Just compare yourself to what you know and then how you're doing it. Am I doing what I know? I need to be doing what I know better. I need to be learning more. And then I need to be doing that better. And, and you know, for a lot of people, they don't know their giftedness, so it would be good to learn your giftedness. Right? And, and my giftedness? I'm a gifted person? Yes, so says your Bible. You're gifted. Right? You need to find out what that is. So Paul is safely landed at kingdom's doorway. Paul is not in the kingdom. The kingdom hasn't started yet for, for the dead saints. Right? Second Timothy 4, 6. The time of my departure is at hand. Verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He was diligent until his 
all clothed in death, or until his last breath, right? And at that moment, his death was precious to God Almighty because there's just one split second separating the dead body of Paul from the ever-living body of Paul in the kingdom. To Paul, it's one split second. In the scope of the earth and the sun and the rotation, it, it's, it's thousands of years, right? But Paul doesn't know it's thousands of years. Paul, when you fell asleep last night, if you're lucky, you, you woke up this morning and you didn't know what time it was, right? So, so <clears throat> Paul is asleep one second from that moment when God throws open the door to the kingdom and Paul gets sucked into the kingdom with a new body, super body being, right? And, and is alive forevermore. So, in verse 8, finally there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. He was absolutely 100% certain, sure, positive. And you can and should be too. If you know your scriptures and you're doing your best to serve God with what you know and you still want to learn some more and you want to do that too, you are doing it abundantly. You're going to be there because God wants you there. He doesn't want to turn you away, and he doesn't want you to turn you away. He wants you to be there. And, and Tabernacles is all about, come on, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. You've got another year to the next Feast of Tabernacles. It's going to be tough. It's going to be struggles. But keep coming. I will help you. Reach out to me, and I'll help you. I'll be with you every step of the way. So... Everybody, okay, the last little bit of this verse is not to me only, but to all who have, the English says, have loved his appearing. It's better rendered, loves his future appearing. What are we doing here? We're picturing a world with him here, right? The lions are going to eat straw like an ox. I don't know whether we'll have to land or sell us rocks and wrecks or not. I want one. Anybody here want a Tyrannosaurus Rex? I want one as a pet. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. And and if he tries to bite my hand, no sweat. You know, hey, slap him up the side of the face. Don't do that. Right? And you educate your Tyrannosaurus Rex. They are incredible creatures. Woo! Anyhow, a lion, uh, they're incredible too. That lady, you see that lady climbed over the fence and walked up to the lion? <laughs> Something missing. Something missing up there. That lion's thinking, she's kind of big, but I bet she's tasty. Anyhow, she's survived. That's good. Okay. So, group worship is wonderful, inspiring, but your personal worship efforts are what really counts. Right? And Jesus said this, and it goes by really fast. Most people don't see it. Jesus said, two will be in the mill grinding, and one will be taken, and the other not. And he says, two will be in the same bed. Now, some of your nasty Bibles, poorly translated Bibles, say two men will be in the same bed. Do you believe that? It doesn't say men. It says two will be in the bed. So under most circumstances throughout history, who are the two in the bed? Husbands and wives. Right? And it says one will be taken and one will not. Now, you know, in most cases, they were in the church together. And, and so it's like, don't neglect so great a salvation. Jesus is saying that the deception that is coming on this planet, we are in a massively deceived world. Two billion people read the same Bible you read, and guess what? They got it upside down, and they don't want to listen to you. You say, I could tell you, you probably don't want to hear. Yep, I don't want to hear. <laughs> okay. See you in a thousand years. I told one lady that. Yeah, and I'll see you in heaven or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, so, hands up if you know the term touch and go relative to airplanes. Anybody? Permit? Yeah, okay. All right, for those who are not sure, I live near an airstrip and, and I hear planes coming in for landing. In fact, I see them. They, they sort of swing around my house and they're losing, losing power yeah. intentionally. Right? And then, and then they, they touch their wheels on the runway and then throw the throttle, full throttle, and they take off again. So they're, they're practicing their touchdowns, their touchdowns, their touchdowns. And so Paul 
you know, he was faithful unto death, and he finally landed his spiritual airplane safely at the kingdom's door. And once you land safely at the kingdom's door, there's nothing anywhere in the universe that's going to stop you getting sucked into the kingdom. Right? And, and at, at first I thought, when I heard myself say sucked into the kingdom, I thought, well, most people don't think they're going to get sucked into the kingdom. But there's a really wonderful scripture in the Laodicean section. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And then it says, If you hear my voice. Oh, hold on a minute. I thought you were just knocking. Well, he must be knocking and shouting. Let me in. Now, the Laodicean people thought they were really good Christians. And he went to the letter and said, You stink. You stink, you stink. You've got to repent, change. And then he says, paints this beautiful picture. He says, you know, in other places he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Okay. Then he paints this picture where he has left your living room. He was in your living room talking to you, sitting at your table talking to you. Right? And because the Laodiceans were so bad, he stepped outside their front door, but he stayed there. And then, you know, the door was shut, and he's banging on the door, let me in, and he's shouting, let me in. And he says, if you hear my voice and get yourself off the sofa over to the door, if you open the door, I'll come in. I'm in. You just crack that. It's like a vacuum clean salesman. But you crack that door, and boom, he's right in there. And Jesus wants to be in the middle of your life. And, and to me, the kingdom's door is, you know, you're sleeping just outside the door. If you're dead. Any of you feel dead? Yeah, maybe you do. <laughs> Anyhow, you all look alive to me, so that's good. All right. But, but Jesus desperately wants you in his kingdom. He wants lots and lots and lots and lots of kids. You know, I didn't want all that many kids. You know, I felt like, actually, my wife felt like three was enough, and that's how we ended it. But anyhow, three was great, you know. And, and, you know, children are wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And God wants billions and billions and billions and billions of children. All of you, plus a whole bunch of other people, plus all your relatives and all your neighbors, if they'll just listen and do what he says. Uh, here at the Tabernacles is we've got the greatest opportunity for eight days to do that. So each of us is totally in control of our spiritual character airplane. Nobody else. Not your husband, not your wife, if you're not your parents, nobody. You have to fly solo when you get old enough. You're in total control. What you allow your mind to do, if you decide to overcome for God's sake, that's you and you alone. And that's how you'll be faithful unto death. If you listen to other people, like Years ago, when the pastor general got up and he said, you all don't have to keep the Feast of Tabernacles anymore. If you listen to somebody who tells you wrong, who gives you deception, bad news. Because you're not going to land safely at the kingdom's door. Right? So, we're in total control of our worshiping God, takeoffs and landings. Now, every day, your eyes come open you begin your takeoff, right? Every night, your head hits the pillow, your eyes close, you landed safely for that day, right? And hopefully most of you sleep through the night, right? Some of us don't, but anyhow. Um, and then the next morning, your eyes come open again. And you're off flying your own solo airplane again. And, and airplanes need to be in touch with control towers and weather beacons, and other information input stuff, right? You can't just, driving an automobile is easy. People can drive cars drunk and still get home. People can drive cars and be texting their best friend and still get home, not all of them, but some of them, right? And, and you, people can do the craziest things and still get home. Because if your engine stops when you're driving your car, what do you do? You just pull over to the side of the road. If your engine stops in the airplane, what do you do? You crash. Okay. If you're real clever, you land on the Hudson. Right? But, but in most cases, the planes that lose power, you know, 
They find a tree somewhere. <laughs> Anyhow, so God, God wants you to take it one day at a time. I know that sounds like a country in Western South. I'm sorry. But, but he wants you to take it one day at a time. He wants you to learn some more about him, love him more, talk to him more, bear much fruit more, glorify the Father in heaven more, and then put your head on that pillow and say, I was faithful to God today. And then you start all over again tomorrow. And the deception in this world is going to get incredibly powerful. Where it says, and I've heard this interpreted different ways, uh, it, where it says, if possible, you may deceive the elect. All right? Okay, in my book, those worldwide people who heard the pastor general say, you don't have to keep tabernacles anymore, they were deceived with no miracles, just words that were pleasing to their ears. There are going to be incredible miracles coming up of deception, and God's going to allow it. And he says, be careful you don't accept the mark of peace or you're going to suffer the wrath of God. Oh, God, I've been your child. I've been your servant. Sorry, you accept the beast power, you suffer the wrath. So it's God's little warning sign of, you know, be faithful unto death. Whatever comes, do it the way I say it, and you'll sleep at kingdom's door, and when I come, boom, you get sucked into the kingdom and into your new super body. David was a person after God's own heart. I love David. David was fantastic. David prayed to God, and then he said, ooh, that'll make a good song. So he made a song out of it. <laughs> and then he put it in the national hymn book. So everybody got to sing David's prayers. Right? But he was a man after his own God. His own God. Psalm 17, 15. As for me, I will see your face. How many of you are eager to see the Father and the Son's face? This is not going to be the most awesome, spectacular moment of your being. Right? <laughs> and, you know, when I awake in your likeness, hey, he didn't have 1 Corinthians 15. How did he know? Because he'd been talking to God, and he was understanding God. I will love you, Lord, my strength. Lord is my rock. Is Jesus your rock? My fortress, my deliverer, my strength, in whom I trust, my shield, my horn of salvation, my stronghold. Is Jesus all of those things? Hopefully, when you leave this festival, You'll have one or two or three or some of these or maybe all of these in your armament and you'll be ready to tackle another 12 months before next year's Feast of Tabernacles. And Jesus is not coming this year, coming year. I promise you. We've we got to have a three and a half year tribulation. It can't come, you know, until a three and a half year. Because God promised. And when God promises something, you trust that his promise is true so it has to happen the way he says it's going to happen. So it's going to happen that way. So Jesus left us this thought, Luke 21, 28. says, now when these things begin to happen, look up. Okay, can you all look up? Okay, that's good. And lift up your heads. How are you going to do that? That's not so good. <laughs> okay, because your redemption draws nigh. Are you excited about your redemption? What's a redemption? All right. Tabernacles is a reminder that we are one year closer to the return of Jesus Christ. Luke 21, 31. So you also, when you see these things happen, you're supposed to see stuff happening, right? Then know that the kingdom is much nearer. It's near. The kingdom, the, you know, what we are portraying, what you will hear scriptures about, what you, your vision that you will be provided with, it's going to become real. And this world that we live in, Washington, D.C., and the fights and the wars all around the world and now the other religions, stop! And we go into no more war ever. And we go into peace. And we go into love and harmony and children being sucked on the streets, which is not the case today. Psalm 24, 7. Lift up your heads. I love this. this you know, I was really unhappy with the translators when they did Luke 21, 21, uh, 21, 31. You know, lift up your heads and all that stuff. It's like, what do you mean to lift up your heads? Right? Translate that better. That's not what I'm trying but, but back in Psalm 24, there's a good example of lift up your heads. Seven, verse 7. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, your everlasting doors. The King of glory shall come in. Oh, that sounds good. King of glory is coming. Woo! 
Huh? Excitement. Huh? We'll say, who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. He is the king of glory. Lift up your heads, verse 9. Your gates, lift up your everlasting doors. The king of glory shall come in. Right? Your redemption is going to be going nearer. Next year, feast of tabernacles, you're going to be one more tabernacles closer than this one. Right? When the tribulation starts, you've got to count up three tribulations. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do for those years. But anyhow, you know, three tribulations will go by. I'm sorry, not tribulations, but tabernacles. And then comes the big one. The one we're all waiting for, for Jesus to stand up and speak to us. So David has much to teach us about raising our worship levels. Some don't like to say this, that it was my best feast ever. I've, I've talked to a lot of people over the years, and a lot of people don't like you saying this was my best feast ever. Spiritually, every year you should be saying, this was my best Spiritual year ever, feast ever, right? Now, it's easy to think physically. Oh, when the children were with us and riding bicycles, that was the best feast ever. Physically, yes. Spiritually, you should be growing at higher levels and higher levels and higher levels, every feast of tabernacles, and you should go home every year saying, this was my best spiritual feast ever, of course. You were spiritually in tune. You worship God to higher and higher levels. So my approach is every year we should be growing spiritually to higher and higher levels of worship of God. If we approach this King Worship Festival, others say, Feast of Tabernacles? What's that? It's the King Worship Festival. Oh, you mean Christmas? No! It's Tabernacles! Right. Asking God to help us raise our worship levels higher and higher with more and more knowledge. We can fully expect to head home in eight days saying, this was my best ever.